following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, Christian Life Austin. I love your guppies. I love the fire out of you. And one day soon we're going to have a huge homecoming. and We're going to all get to be back together. But tonight, one more time, we're coming into your home. Church is in your home. We're preaching from here. We're talking to you there. But let me, before I go any further, let me talk about a Mother's Day parade we're having here on Saturday from 10 till noon. Hey, get up, get out, and come by. We want to honor you. The staff is going to honor you. We're going to take pictures. We're going to give away prizes, big prizes, nice prizes. You want to be here for that. And then on Sunday, Mother's Day service, I think it's the second greatest day probably of attendance of the whole year next to Easter. 9 o'clock, 10, 30, 12. Get up. Go ahead and get dressed. And after we get through having service in your home, you can take mom out, dad. Kid, you can cook for her, whatever you want to do. But don't make mom do anything that she doesn't want to do on Sunday. We love you very, very much. So here we are on Wednesday night. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we started something last week, uh, a series called Legendary Prayer. And, and uh, we're going to con- continue that tonight in our second phase. And we're going to preach tonight or speak tonight on dreaming big, dream big. And I really believe that we can dream big. You know, I love stories about kids in prayer. I heard a little girl prayed when she was praying the Lord's Prayer. She prayed like this. And forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our basket. And another one was heard to pray, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email. <laughs> but the one that, that just touches my heart was a little boy that prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. And he got so bored with the same prayer every night, he just added a little bit to it one night. He said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I should die before I wake, can I have breakfast with you in the morning, God? Now top that prayer. Tonight we're going into dreaming big or dream big, and we're going to we're going to go. We're going to kind of preach the eleventh chapter of the book of Numbers. But last week we talked about legendary prayer, and we introduced a man named Honey who was known to pray for rain with success. And one day he drew a circle around himself and got inside the circle and said he would not leave until God sent the rain that Israel need. This was about 100 years before Christ. He had to feel a little foolish, folks, before that first raindrop fell, standing inside the circle demanding rain is a risky proportion. But vowing that you won't leave the circle until it rains is even riskier. You know, Honey didn't draw a semicircle. He drew a complete circle. There was no escape clause. There was no expiration date. Honey backed himself into that circle, and the only way out was by a miracle. Not only was his prey legendary, but his dreams were big. In fact, when the rain started, he asked for three different specific kinds of rain, and God granted all three of those rains. Praying like this often looks like an exercise in foolishness, but it's really faith. See, faith is the willingness to look foolish in doing something that you know God sent you to do. Noah looked foolish building a boat in the middle of the desert. The Israelite army looked foolish marching around Jericho and blowing trumpets. 
A shepherd boy named David looked foolish running into a valley of Elah to face Goliath with a slingshot in his hand. And the wise men looked foolish tracking a star to Timbuktu or wherever. And Peter looked foolish getting out of a boat in the middle of a storm on Galilee and walking to Jesus. And Jesus looked foolish wearing a crown of thorns. But the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. Jericho's walls came down and David did defeat Goliath. And the wise men did discover the Messiah. And Peter walked on water and Jesus was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But today we're going to talk about another person who, who looked foolish. Looking foolish was part of his life. And in this 11th chapter that I'm going to start reading right now, in this 11th chapter you're going to see how Moses began to act in the presence of God because Israel was demanding some things. Numbers 11, chapter 11, verse 11, Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Then verse 12, I love this. He said, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant? To the land you promised on oath to their ancestors. And then verse 13 he tells why he's kind of fussing here a little. He said, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing at me. Give us meat to eat. He said, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. You know Moses had looked foolish and Moses has, had risked his reputation a number of times. First of all, when he went before Pharaoh demanding that he let the people of God go, it looked foolish. And then raising his staff over the Red Sea in the Exodus out of Egypt, it looked foolish. A rod over a Red Sea. And now praying for, and then promising meat to the children of Israel and the entire nation looked foolish. But Moses was willing to look foolish. He really was to see epic miracles. Because he had seen the Exodus. He had witnessed the Red Sea. And now the people wanted meat in the wilderness. You see, praying legendary prayer, stepping out in faith, often looks foolish. And the bigger the prayer, the more foolish many times you will feel. But if you aren't willing to step out of the boat, there will never be a water walking experience in your life. And if you aren't willing to circle the city, there's no wall that will ever fall. And if you aren't willing to follow the star, you'll miss the greatest moment of your life by witnessing the Messiah in your life. Because miracles require risk. They really do. And the toughest risk is your reputation. Honey had a reputation as a rainmaker. But he was willing to risk his reputation again by praying for rain one more time. And he took the risk and the rest is history. And the greatest chapters in history always begin with risk. And that's true of every chapter in your life. If you're unwilling to risk your reputation, you'll never build a boat like Noah. And you'll never get out of a boat like Peter did. See, you cannot build God's reputation if you aren't willing to risk your own. There comes a moment when you need to make the call or you need to make the move. Moses had learned this lesson well. If you don't take the risk, 
you forfeit the miracle. So now let's go to Numbers 11. After 400 years of slavery, God had delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. But you know what's much harder getting Egypt out of the Israelites than it is getting the Israelites out of Egypt. Despite the memories of slavery, despite the memory of the whips and the taskmasters, and despite the memory of the miracle of the Exodus and walking through the Red Sea with water on either side. Still the Israelites want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back. The people of Israel begin to complain. They remember all the fish they ate for free back in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. They wanted that. But now their appetites are gone. And day after day their words are, we have nothing to eat but this manna. So the Israelites are complaining. They are. Shocking, isn't it? Instead of manna, they want meat. You know, as a hardcore carnivore myself, I understand that. I like some Eddie V, and I like some Vince Young, and I like some Ruth Chris, and even Bob's Chop House. And there used to be a place over here, all-you-can-eat Brazilian steakhouse, and I used, to, I used to go there every now and then. See, I don't believe you're ready to die until you eat at those places. I believe you need to eat some meat in your life. But the Israelites had selective memory. They remember the free fish they ate back in Egypt, but they forgot one little detail, one little fact, that the food was free, but they weren't. They weren't just slaves, folks. They were victims of genocide. And yet they missed the meat on the menu while complaining about one miracle while asking for another. Their complaining was absolutely astounding. And we scoff at them for grumbling about manna that was delivered to their doorsteps every day. But don't we do the same thing in our life? Every day we awake, folks, we awake to a miracle. Miracles abound in our life. There are miracles all around us all the time. It's so easy to find the complaint department in the middle of those miracles. Now, now watch this. You know, during this pandemic, there's been a lot of reading, probably a lot of, a lot of TV watching. But when you're reading, it involves millions of impulses firing across billions of synapses in your brain. And while you're reading, your heart is circulating five quarts of blood through 100,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries. And it's amazing that you can even concentrate because you live on a planet that's hurtling through space at 67,000 miles per hour while spinning on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. But we take these manna miracles, these everyday miracles, for granted. Let me give you some mental math. Despite the incessant complaining, God responds to their food tantrum with one of the most unfathomable miracles in history and in Scripture. He doesn't just promise one course meal for one day. He promises meat for a whole month. And Moses can hardly believe it. Literally, Moses says, I'm here, Lord, among 600,000 footmen. And you say, and it's in verse 20, I will give you meat to eat for a whole month. You're, you're promising that, God? Not just for a day. Not just for two days or five days or ten days or twenty days, but for a whole month. 
He said, God, would we even have enough if we all the flocks and the herds were slaughtered for that month? Would we have a month if we caught every fish in the sea? Moses is doing the math in his mind and it just doesn't add up. Not even close. He can't think of a single scenario that would make the promise that God has made to him work. God, it takes a lot to feed us for a day, he said, much less for a month. God wants you to take that job, perhaps, that pays less, and you just can't see how it adds up. God wants you to perhaps go on a mission trip, and you don't have the means for it, but he said, I want you to go, and it just doesn't add up. God wants you to get married, perhaps go to grad school or adopt, and it just doesn't add up in your mind. But all of a sudden you're hearing these things from God, and God is saying, hey, my math is not your math. This, this predicament that Moses is in reminds me of another food miracle that happened some 1,500 years later. 5,000 people were out in the desert listening to Jesus teach, and He doesn't want to send them the way because they were hungry. And there's no Taco Bells, and there's no Chick-fil-A's, and there's no McDonald's, and there's no Whataburgers. But a nameless little boy comes up with his brown paper bag, and he's got five loaves and two fishes in it. And Andrew says what the other disciples are saying, what is this against so many people? It's not even going to start. And like Moses, Andrew starts doing the math in his head, and it doesn't add up, because in his mind, the addition is five plus two equals seven, and that's the way we'd all figure it. But when you give what you have to God, and He blesses it, then He breaks it and gives it, it's different. It's 5 plus 2 equals 5,000. <laughs> Men plus women and children. But not only does God multiply the meal so that it feeds 5,000, there actually ends up more leftovers than what we started with when God took the five loaves and two fishes, only in God's economy. The 12 baskets of remainders mean that the most accurate equation is this, 5 plus 2 equals 5,000, remainder 12. Wow, that just gives me goosebumps. If you put the small amount you have in the hands of God, it won't just add up. God will make it multiply. So tonight, I'm telling you, it's time for Christian Life Austin to dream big. Even though we are quarantined, dream big. Even though we're isolated, dream big. Because your mind is bigger than the house that you're in. Your mind is bigger than what I'm preaching to you right now. Dream big. What is the step of faith that you need to take in pursuing your big dream? Now watch this, Numbers chapter 11. This is so powerful, verse 31 and 32. Now wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. Here it is. And it scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. Verse 32, all that day and night and all the next day the people went out and gathered quail and no one gathered less than ten homers. Even the slow people, even the feeble people got ten homers. Now I've read that now. I've got a grandson that he's nine years old now when he was just learning how to conversate, learning how to talk, adult talk. He used to come up and say something like, let's talk about it, Bo. Let's talk about it. So I want to talk about this to you right here today. Talk number one. The Israelites were parked in the wilderness of Paran. You got to get this. I'm going to show you how big this miracle is. 
the region about 50 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea and about 50 miles southwest of the Dead Sea. There are the two closest bodies of water. Significance to that, I'll tell you, quails tend to fly and live by the water. They don't fly a long distance from a watering hole. And with no supernatural west wind, they never make it this far inland because they're 50 miles from both bodies of water. And it's not just a miraculous west wind. The clouds burst and it rained quail from the sky. Point number two, let's talk about it. The Hebrew system of measurement, a day's walk was approximately 15 miles in any direction. If you square the radius and multiply it by pi, 3.14, we're talking about an area that's almost 700 square miles. Folks, that's big, 700 square miles. To put in perspective, Austin, Texas is 274 square miles. I did some research. And not only is that an area that's two and a half times larger than the capital of Texas, the quail were piled three feet deep to the waist of most of the people. Can you imagine seeing that many birds fly into a camp in one moment, in one day? You know, I've got men in this church that hunt quail, and if they lived back in that day and they had their shotguns of this day, they'd think, wow, the Lord has taken the limits off of quail hunting, and they'd be shooting everything that they could shoot. It was like a bird blizzard. I call it quail megadon. <laughs> it's a bunch of quail. So massive. Seemed like a solar eclipse. And for the rest of their lives, the people that witnessed that that day, when they closed their eyes at night, they counted quail and not sheep to go to sleep. Third point, I want to let's talk about it. Once the quail stopped falling, the Israelites started gathering. And each Israelite gathered no less than ten homers. So what is that, Pastor? Ten homers multiplied by 600,000 men equals six million homers at a minimum. A homer equated to roughly 200 liters. And so if every man gathered 10 homers, that's 2,000 liters. You divide by the proper number and you get 528 and a half gallons of quail per person. Assuming the quail were average size, it rained somewhere in the neighborhood, are you ready for this, of 105 million quail. See, God just doesn't provide in dramatic fashion. God provides in traumatic proportion. He does it big time and He does it wonderful time. Moses could have never anticipated the answer to his prayer. It was unpredictable. It was unprecedented. Moses had the faith to pray anyhow. And when you pray big, God gets bigger. And it's always cloudy with a chance of quail. <laughs> I love that. I want to say that again. It's always cloudy with a chance of quail. God can do anything. Is there a promise you need to circle? Maybe your marriage or your children, maybe your stage of life you're living in, maybe for fear of your facing your past or the dream you're pursuing. You need to size up God. See, before the quail storm appeared on Doppler radar, God asked Moses a question. It's more than a question. It is the question. He asked him the question. And your answer to the question will determine the size of your prayer circle. And here's the question. He said, is there any limit to my power? 
And the obvious answer is no. But what he actually said was, Moses, has my arm grown short that I cannot give you what you asked for? Is my hand weak that I can't do it for you now? I'm telling you, God is omnipotent, which means there is nothing that God cannot do. Stop praying as if your problems are bigger than God. Let me remind you again of his, this high octane truth. God is infinitely bigger than your biggest problem or your biggest dream. And while I'm there, His grace is infinitely bigger than your biggest sin. Hallelujah. He's bigger than all your problems. He's bigger than all your fears. And His grace is bigger than all your sins. A.W. Tozer believed a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. But he said a high view of God is a solution to 10,000 temporal problems. I love that. And if that's true, and I believe it is, then your biggest problem is an, an impending divorce. It's not a failing business or a doctor's diagnosis. And I am not making light of your relational, financial, or health issues. I won't minimize that at all. But in order to regain a godly perspective on your problem, you have to answer this question. Are your problems bigger than God? Or is God bigger than your problems? Our biggest problem, folks, is a small view of God. David even saw that when he was with the Israelites. David saw it and he wrote one day, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. You know what he was saying? I'm tired of people thinking their problem is bigger than the God that I preach about and talk about. So I want you not to magnify your problems. I want you to magnify the Lord. Right in your house tonight, magnify God. Don't magnify your issues, but magnify Him. You see, a low view of God is a cause of all lesser evils. And a high view of God is solution to all the problems in your life. There it is again. Is there any limit to my power? Have you answered that question? There's only two options, yes or no. And until you come to the conviction that God's grace and power know no limits, you'll continue to pray small prayers. But once you embrace the omnipotence of God, you'll draw ever enlarging circles around you. And your God-given and God sized dreams will come to pass. How big is your God? Is He big enough to heal your marriage or heal your child? Is He bigger than a positive MRI or a negative evaluation? Is He bigger than your secret sin or your secret dream? Moses was perplexed by the promise God had given him. How could God possibly provide meat for a month that didn't add up? Moses, I have one question. Is there any limit to my power? I'm not far from closing, but I want to tell a story. Back in 2012, I am a man that does not talk about money a lot in the pulpit, but God, God asked me what my dream was, and I said, God, I need, a, I need a financial miracle in our church. And God said, well, talk to me about it. So I talked to him about it. I told God what I needed. And it was not long after that that one of the fine men in this church asked me to go to lunch with him, and there was no agenda. 
But as we sat there at lunch, he looked over at me and he said, Pastor, what is your dream? <laughs> what is my dream? I had just prayed that dream a week before. And he takes me to lunch and says, what is your dream? And I never mentioned that I asked God for a monetary miracle. But I told him what my dream was. I told him I wanted a church that would house perhaps 2,000 people and give people an opportunity to come in greater proportions to meet the Jesus that we preach about here. And he smiled. He reached over and patted my arm as we was about to leave. He said, God's going to see the fruition of that to its end. You're going to see it. And I thought, I didn't even tell you what I needed. I just told you that I wanted something built. And he said, I got it. And four years later, four years later, he told me before he left, he said, in four years I'll be able to help start you on that journey. And four years later he walked up to me, 2016, and he gave me half of what I had prayed for in tithe and offerings. He gave me half of what I'd prayed for. And the second check that he gave me, which was half of his half, he said, this is my vote for a great future for Christian life, Austin. And he put it in my hand and it was on the front porch of the church and I wept. And I'm still weeping now. But what happened was that man blessing this church in January of 2016 broke something in this congregation and caused me to believe that God could do anything. He's big enough to do anything. There is no limit to His power. His arm is not short. His hand is not weak. And now we're moving forward in the name of the Lord. And our giving is going up in this pandemic instead of going down. And we're seeing the increase that only God can give. And you know what God did? I asked God for a specific amount. You know what God did? God's already topped that. God's already topped that so greatly. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I prayed for so little. But see, the size of our prayers depend on the size of our God. And if God knows no limits, then neither should our prayers know limits. God exists outside the four space-time dimensions He created so we should pray that way because there's no limit to His power. Thank you, Lord, for providing for Christian Life Austin. And thank you, Lord, for blessing this church with the means to provide a place for people to know Jesus because the second part of that prayer was a 10,000-soul revival. And God's promised it, and we're seeing the fulfillment of it. Reminds me of a man who was sizing up God by asking God, how, how long is a million years to you? And God said, a million years is like a second. And the man said, how, how much is a million dollars to you? And God said, a million dollars is like a penny. And the man smiled and said, could you spare a penny? And God smiled back and said, sure, just wait a second. <laughs> and I know sometimes that when we pray, we don't see the results right now. We don't see God doing it right now. But keep praying big. Keep dreaming big. 
There is no big or small with God. There's no easy or difficult. There's no possible or impossible. <laughs> it's difficult for us to comprehend because we live in those four dimensions of time and space and we're born into it. But God is not subject to the natural laws that He instituted. He has no beginning. He has no ending. His reach has no limits. Hallelujah. Even our hardest prayers are easy for the omnipotent one to answer because there's no degree of difficulty. You know, I found myself sometime when I pray bigger prayers using bigger words, O Thou Mighty, Magnificent, Master of the Universe. No, you don't have to do that. I used to have a man that prayed this way, Daddy, I need a blessing. I need a job. Daddy, would you come and help me? I buried him several years ago, but I never forgot the simplicity of his prayer. But he always prayed so big. It comes down to your answer, not your big words, but your answer to this question. Is there any limit to my power? And the answer is no. See, when God gives a vision, He makes provision. We're praying to a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We're praying to a God that sent a west wind that brought 105 million quail into the camp of Israel. But we have to do our part. We have to dream big. We need to pray big and pursue that dream that God has put in our hearts. So my question tonight is this, what step of faith do you need to take? What decision do you need to make? And what promise do you need to put down a stake? Hear this pastor and hear me well, you can't out pray, you can't out dream the out answering and out dream living God in our life. You can't outdo Him. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be opened to you. Believe it. Pray legendary prayers but dream big also. If God can send quail 105 million into the camp of some complaining people God can answer your prayer greatly. I love you. I admire you, and I'm honored to pastor you. Be blessed tonight. We'll see you Sunday.